Welcome to the podcast of New Life Church. We hope that the messages, topics, and discussions that you find here will encourage and challenge you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us today, everybody. We're uh, glad you're with us. Uh, today we have a special guest, uh, Greg Godwin. He is an evangelist with the United Pentecostal Church International. And he um, has got a lot of experience with traveling uh, around the United States um, and seeing churches uh, experience great revival and harvest and seeing uh, many, many people pray through um, to the Holy Ghost and born again. And he has a lot of experience in these areas. And so we're excited to have him with us today. Thank you for joining us. Amen. It's good to be with you, brother. Very good to be with you. We're glad you were able to uh, take some time and, and be with us. And uh, really, we just kind of want to hear uh, from your experience and kind of share uh, some of the things you've noticed and then uh, just some things that work really in getting a church to the point of uh, revival, a personal revival as, as saints, and then not just it's staying there, but people in the church beginning to reach out into their community and and win souls, really. So yes. I guess let's let's just start off with uh, you kind of telling us some experiences you've had. I mean, you've been evangelizing for how many years? 33 years this, well, this fall. 33 oh, wow. years. Yeah, so you've definitely seen some stuff. <laughs> I've seen a little bit. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Wow. So with all of your traveling and experiences and such, what um, what are some things you've noticed in churches that have um, experienced revival and, and growth, what was taking place in like the culture or the atmosphere of that church around that time that got them to that great revival? Well, that's a very good question. And um, of course we've had seen a lot of revivals and some were um, very great revivals in far as far as numbers of people praying through and being baptized. And then some were great and uh, not necessarily in the amount of numbers of people that prayed through uh, in the big picture. But whenever you focus on that church and where the church is and what's going on in the church, what's been going on in the church, um, it, it ends up just a great revival. One of the one that I remember a lot of was in Texas. I won't say the city, but it was in Texas. And um, I just finished a revival in Modesto, which I'll talk a little bit more a little bit later, but uh, with Brother Keys, Brother Johnson's church. And uh, I'd left there. And when I left uh, Modesto, it, it had been the greatest revival I'd ever been a part of, uh, bar any. And uh, especially in North American local church, uh, it was just huge, powerful, and just, it was just unbelievable. So when I left, I thought there was a change in me, and I was expecting every church to break out in, you know, earth-shaking, shattering revival. I thought right from here on, it's going to be hundreds of people praying through every week, you know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I went to the church in Texas, and... Uh, uh, I'll say it was Brownwood, Texas. Brother Donnie Martin was pastor. He used to be a teacher at ABI up in Minnesota where I went to Bible school. So it was great to be back with him. 
but when we got there, I mean, it definitely wasn't uh, Modesto. Uh, it just wasn't in size, in fervency, or anything. But there was fervency. There was outreach, not like Modesto, but there was outreach. There was they had prayer going, fasting, and all of that. And uh, the first night, uh, a preach, we had three or four got the Holy Ghost and a couple baptized. They were adults. Yeah. They were just ecstatic. And then the next night, we had four or five more. And the next night, two or three more. And the next night was Saturday night, and we had four or five more. Sunday, we had 10 or 15, something like that. Yeah, wow. <clears throat> I was only scheduled to be there for a week. And uh, that morning, he mentioned to me about the possibility of going on. I said, Elder, I got a revival start next Wednesday. I just, there just probably ain't no way. Well, after Sunday night, I went to him and told him, uh, Elder, I, I called the pastor. I was told him what's going on. And he said, asked me, did you want to go on? And, and I said, yeah, he does. He said, well, just stay and then call me when you're done. So we stayed another week. And when the week, the two weeks was over, there's 58 people got the Holy Ghost wow. there in Brownwood, Texas. It yeah. was just, uh, it was just powerful <clears throat> revival. And when the second week was over, Brother Martin, I remember him sitting in the office and he was just crying uncontrollably. I said, Brother Martin, what's wrong? He said, Greg, you don't understand. He said, I've never seen anything like this ever in my ministry, in my lifetime. I've never been in a service that had you know, as many people as we had to get the Holy Ghost. I think one Sunday, that last Sunday, we had like 15 get the Holy Ghost, something like that. Right. And uh, he'd never seen it. Wow. And uh, he was just going on and on about it. This is the greatest revival I've ever seen, ever had, ever participated in. And and crying, we hugged and prayed, and we got done eating. And I went back to the trailer, and we loaded up the next morning and left. And it dawned on me uh, as I was meditating on what we talked about driving down the road it, just like the lord spoke to me and said this revival was as great as what you just left in modesto yeah and he talked to me then about levels of revival and it really just changed the way i evangelized and my own personal expectations instead of putting you know thousands so revival on every church expectation if you don't do that where well, you're not anything Right. The Lord helped me focus in on the local churches where I was and and uh, believe the Lord to just stretch them as much as we could. Yeah. And uh, that helped me for sure. Right. Well, that's phenomenal, though. I mean, 58 people in you know a couple of weeks, that's that's still a great yes, revival. Sir. As as you said, um, that's phenomenal. Uh, so, you know, with that, you, you said in that specific uh, setting, the, the local church there, there's prayer, fasting, and outreach going on even before that revival took place, correct? Mm -hmm. so, yes, sir, there was. So, I mean, this may be a rhetorical question, but just to hear your input, how important is it for a church to give themselves to prayer, fasting, and outreach? What, what does that do for the local church? Well, the, the fasting, uh, my, my opinion on the fasting part is the fasting uh, really just works on the person's individual spirit, attitude, right. and approach. It really doesn't affect um, in as great a manner as like prayer does or right. worship in church attendance, but, but it does impact the individual 
massively. Right. Because the flesh is the greatest hindrance we will face in the church. The devil's not uh, face face revivals where the spirit of the enemy showed up and it took a couple of services and we got definite Holy Ghost breakthroughs. Uh, that just happens. Yeah. But if you're battling up against a flesh problem, uh, people in the church resisting the leadership, resisting the pastor, resisting the direction, the goal of the church, uh, you know, if when that starts turning, one of the key elements to turn it is fasting. Okay. Uh, because the flesh yeah. wars against the spirit. That's right. just that's just the most plain thing there is. So fasting definitely has to be an ongoing thing in a church and um a prayer, of course. Uh prayer or what can be said about prayer, except that it's in prayer. Um once a church, let, let me say it this way, um, the first four or five, six years, especially five or six years of pastors at a new church, um, he is becoming in the spirit, the pastor of that church. Um, and he can have revival during those five or six years, but every pastor will tell you about the fifth to the seventh year of their pastorate, they felt something shift. Right. Um, they became the path. The church took ownership of them. The people fell in love with them big time. They may have liked them when they voted them in, but after six, seven years helping them through their personal struggles, the church just takes them in as pastor. And so it is in revival. There has to be these stages that uh, a church goes through, uh, learning to fast, learning to pray. So there's devotional prayer, a person prays at home. And then there's prayer at church when you come to church. Uh, you know, focus of prayer at church. It's focused. Let's all get, get our minds on track, what we're doing tonight for church. Staff's praying, praise teams praying, musicians are praying. Let's focus on church. So there's not as much praying before church on my own personal matters other than I'm taking dominion over my thoughts. Help me focus, God. Help me be a part. Help me be sensitive to your spirit. Help me key in with the leaders and that kind of prayer going on. Right. Praying for the visitors and the guests that are coming. Uh, those kind of things is prayer before church. Uh, and then, of course, as I said, personal prayer. There needs to be a dedicated personal prayer. And as the church begins to grow in its reach for souls, uh, I believe prayer will become deeper and stronger and more spiritual, which There'll be prayer meetings where you're just, you get to praying and you're interceding, you're speaking in tongues, praying in the Holy Ghost. Don't know what you're praying for, but you know you're warring in the Holy Ghost. That's something that comes in and along with praying, you begin to pray in the Holy Ghost, you begin to war in the Holy Ghost. Those things are stages um, that a church goes through. Right. And I believe that's very key to praying people through in, in a revival, in a local revival set of services, whether it's just Sunday or Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Sunday morning, Sunday night, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, whatever you choose to do, um, there has to be fasting and there has to be prayer to set the firmament and the atmosphere of that whole con congregation so that uh, if there's only three visitors that show up that week, you've got a chance to pray them all three through. Right. You know, and that's that's one of the keys. Yeah. You um, you mentioned a word atmosphere and mm -hmm. kind of talk for a minute about the importance of the atmosphere 
of the church, um, the local church, and just the importance of it. Sure. Sure. Well, in Genesis chapter one, uh, you have the um, creation that God reveals in Genesis, and it's in a seven day process. Now, whether it's seven 24 hour periods, uh, if it's dispensational days, thousand year uh, day process. In other words, first day was seven, uh, a thousand years. Second day was a thousand years. And then there's some that believe in dispensation in, in creative days, which they say uh, first day was 7,000 years, second year was 7,000, third year was 7,000. Whatever you believe, um, you'll find that one of the first things the Lord did after the earth was without form and void was, the Bible says, and the Spirit of God moved mm-hmm. in verse 3. And then it says in verse three, and then God said. So before there was anything in creation, it took a move of God followed by a word from God to bring creation, to bring life into existence. Right. So that's what we we talk with the church when we're the church that has been through trouble and problems, things of that nature. And they're, they're wanting to have revival. That's one of the things we talked to them about. Uh, the Spirit of God moved, and then in verse 3, and then God said. Yes. So it takes a move of God and the Word of God in a, every service to create new life. Right. And uh, so there was no life form mm-hmm. uh, until the third day. And the first thing that had to happen was let there be light. So every service, um, every service, you need a move of God, and then it needs to be followed with a word from God. So that's why prayer before church or prayer life and all that matters, because that produces the move of God. When you come to church and you pray, that's why it's important is because it creates a move of God. That's why you have to worship. Right. And worship requires more than sitting there. Yep. Uh, Worship requires movement. And it requires uh, a praise. It requires you saying something. And that gets into a whole big subject. But whenever you begin to praise God, God inhabits. Yes. He enthrones himself in praise. He's not going to, you know, you can, there's all kinds of styles of praise now. And I like, I like them, but I'll be honest with you. Some of them don't create the atmosphere. Right. They don't create the firmament for God to show up. So, so the worship, it's got to be not just musically correct, not just uh, the season of music in the whole gospel industry to be uh, the newest and cutting edge worship. The question is, is when we worship, does God show up? Correct. And then you've got to have the word of God follow it. So that's why the preaching of the word. Now, when you have that, that's what causes creative order. So right. that's what people want to be born again. So if you've got a bunch of guests there, and visitors that are that are hungry for God, and you've been talking to them, teaching Bible study. Well, the first thing you got to have is worship, and then once you get worship, within that first song, all of a sudden they start looking. The goosebumps start going up on their arms. They're like, "Oh my God, what's that?" And then a tear jumps out in their eye. And I've been in revival. I was in a revival in Alaska. Uh, actually, was White Horse Yukon Territory with Brother Wagner years ago. And he had sold his church and we were having church every night in a gym, but it was a different gym every night. And all they had was a little bit of electric pen up there and they were playing, doing the best they could, but they were worshiping. 
And yeah. I looked back there, and there was a there was a, a a lady that was tears just pouring down her face. Well, I just kind of walked back there, and how are you? And she couldn't hardly say anything. I said, "That's Jesus," and she shook her head. And I said, "Can I pray with you?" And she said, "Yeah." And I said, "Lift your hands," and she kind of lifted her hands a little bit. And it wasn't but just a minute. She began to speak in other tongues. Well, then all of a sudden, looked behind me, commotion. I turned around, and a young man comes out of the other section of pews. Uh, of chairs and comes out now. He's crying. He said, that's my wife. I said, it's your wife. He said, yeah. Wow. He said, I'm the pastor's son. I had no idea. Wow. They had both <laughs> been, he had been backslid. He had married this young lady. And before it was over, I mean, we didn't get no further than that in the service. I mean, people were worshiping and praying and crying, but you had to have the word of God. And then I spoke a word of God to them personally. Right. Uh, but then there must be, you know, you don't go every service without preaching, but uh, once the word of God is spoken into an atmosphere where the firmament of God is set, then you get creative miracles. People begin to walk. People begin to see. Miracles begin to happen. People get delivered. Backsliders pray through. And uh, so that's how that begins to happen. Yeah. So uh, that's that's incredible stuff. And I mean, it makes it makes perfect sense. I mean, we see it mapped out right there in Genesis mm -hmm. one, like the precedent and just really the order and how God God works. And yes, re really, it's it's a simple thing when if the people of God, every time we come together, uh, if our goal is to simply attract uh, the presence of God where He inhabits our praise and, and shows up, uh -huh. and then then everything takes place. You know, I mean, yes, sir everything we need yes sir and that that's one of the things i found um every church needs to to hear that you know the move of god followed by the word of god creates the miraculous the seven days of create six days of creative order happen right. after the spirit of god moved and god began to speak Right. And so that's the first and most simple thing that we've got to do in our services is we've got to have a move of god and then that's got to be followed by a word from God. And that right. will produce whatever miracle needs to happen. So right. churches, um, you know, they have to understand when we come to church, you know, we got a lot of things going on in our life. We've got a pandemic going on now, but we've got to begin to focus, begin to think about God. You're home from work, getting ready for church. As difficult as that is, you're thinking about God. You're thinking, God, we need you today. Touch us. If there's a guest, touch them. Draw right. our guests. You get to church, you're in there praying five or ten minutes. That's what you're praying. Draw our guests. Help us to worship. Right. You know? And that that's the creative order of revival. Right. That's so good. So um, I know you mentioned it earlier, and I want to make sure we have time to just talk mm -hmm. about it a little bit. Talk to us about that uh, revival in Modesto that you were a part of. Yes, sir. Brother Keys, I had been going out there about once a year for three or four years on their what they call Saturday Night Live, which was a big Saturday night um, center getter service. Uh, they only allowed about 350 to 400 of the people to come to church. Everybody else stayed home because they had so many guests. They had done outreach for weeks. And the day of the meeting, they had their buses going out to the parks where the drug dealers were, and they were bringing, there was six to 700 sinners wow. on Saturday night, which was Easter Sunday weekend. The next day was Easter Sunday morning. Yeah. And uh, so it was, uh, I'd been there three or four Saturdays 
uh, years in a row on Saturday night, and I'd preach Sunday morning and, and leave. Well, he called me. I was in Glenpool, Oklahoma, in a Super 8 hotel. I can see it right now. And the hotel phone rang. I didn't know they didn't even have cell phones back then. Um, as far as I remember, we didn't have cell phones. But somehow he got my number at the Super 8 Hotel <laughs> and called him. And I answered the phone and said, hello. He said, Brother Godwin. I said, Brother Keys? He said, yes, sir, Brother Godwin. It's Brother Keys. I said, how'd you get my number? And he laughed. He said, that's up to me. So yeah. we kind of giggled about that. And uh, he told me, he said, listen, the reason I'm calling you is the Holy Ghost spoke to me this week. I said, really? He said, yes, he spoke to me about revival with you. And when he said, I just got cold chills. And he said, I want you to get your calendar out. I want you to check because God told me there's going to be two weeks and they're going to be prime time revival. Yeah. Well, I knew when he said it, I thought, boy, I got nervous <laughs> that year. I'd been evangelized about four years and I got nervous in first of January and I started calling a bunch of people and booked up for seven months all except the week before because of the times in February and the week of because of the times. I preach at Brother Ewing's the week before and and this and the Sunday after. And and I said and I in my mind I knew I only had two weeks. And he told me he said I got two weeks. The Holy Ghost told me it's prime time revival. I thought, okay. I said, what two weeks is it? And I'm looking at my little pocket calendar and he named those two weeks. Oh wow. And I started <laughs> crying. Yeah. And he said, what's wrong? I said, Brother Keys. I said, I've got my calendar here. I got nervous first year and I booked my whole calendar up all the way through into June, except these two weeks, the only two weeks I've got open, I'm gonna be at Brother Ewing's on his church night and then I'm gonna be at Because of Times. He said, well, you call Brother Ewing. I said, he said, he's not gonna have a problem with you backing out and Brother Mangan won't have. So I called them both and they said, absolutely, don't worry about it. I left and that first week, um, I believe there was 38, or something like that. They got the Holy Ghost on that Sunday morning. I preached a very simple message on Jesus' name, baptism, because there were so many guests. Right. And they, we had some get the Holy Ghost, but they started baptizing that morning. And they were baptizing people still that night when we got back at 530 that night. They were still baptizing the last two couples. Wow. That night. That's and incredible. He told me, he said, Greg, you've got to postpone your calendar. Call everybody. So I got some plane tickets. He said, I'll pay for them. They yeah. got outreach. He said, I'll pay for them. So, of course, nobody made him pay for them. I cleared my schedule out through May, and uh, it was absolutely unbelievable. They had, uh, Brother Keys had took a, a year before this. He said, I'm taking a year, and I'm going to teach revival to the church by the book of Acts. That's all I'm going to teach is book of Acts principles. And that year, whenever I got there in revival, he'd have testimony service. He'd just... They'd call it Brother So-and-so, So-and-so, Brother So-and-so, come testify. They'd come down to the front, they'd hand the mic, and they'd kind of like preaching. I used to be on drugs and alcohol and did this, and, and yeah. God filled me with the Holy Ghost. And, and, and sometimes the Holy Ghost would fall right then. We wouldn't get past it. People would come to the altar. But about two weeks of that, and finally, they were they would turn around to Brother Keys. Brother Keys, I've got what you're talking about, outreach. And they kept saying that. Yeah. And I wow. found out after church. That second week, he said, Brother Godwin, I've been preaching this for a solid year, revival by the book of Acts, to get everything out of them that's not book of Acts, that's not biblical, and put everything I can to them about outreach and revival by the book of Acts. And about the second week, on a Friday night, we were having church, and someone else turned to him and said the same thing. He fell out of his seat on his knees, weeping, just screamed, oh, God. 
fell on the ground and, and his head down on the ground and began to weep. And that was it. Power of God hit the place. We had five or six got the Holy Ghost that night. Wow. So, so that was uh, beautiful. And of course, they had built revivals. Brother Keith Clark, an old evangelist, the greatest evangelist I've ever known, North American evangelist, Holy Ghost uh, preacher that I've ever known. Uh, Keith Clark, he passed away a couple of years ago, uh, but he was the greatest. He had been there for two or three years. Then Brother Morgan started going. Been there about a year and a half or so. He was pastoring at the time. He would fly and preach a Sunday yeah. night and then a Monday and Tuesday and fly back on Wednesday. He did that for quite a few months. Then Brother Keys had me coming in on the Easter Sundays. And then about the third or fourth year, he asked me to come in and, and preach a revival. And uh, by then, they had built revival through Keith Clark many four, five, six years of Keith Clark two or three times a year, and then Brother Morgan for a couple of years. And by that time, they had built, their faith had built up so high. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was just crazy. I mean, there'd be 40 to 50 visitors every night Wow. at church. Every night, there's 40 or 50. It didn't matter if it's Sunday morning, Sunday night, Friday. It didn't matter. So what I'm kind of hearing from these stories and experiences and different things you've said is like if if a church focuses really on that i call it the genesis one pattern yes you create this atmosphere and god begins to move and the more god begins to move in the people in that church it creates something where outreach and growth is a byproduct yes it, the firmament is set yes and the so firmament is set that's right. So, so when all this quote unquote work is being put into the church and this revival mindset is being established, it's only a matter of time before mm -hmm. people start naturally winning souls and, and the church yes, begins and to you, grow. Yes, sir. And you know, you got uh, even the beginning of revival, if you're at a church and they're just not really geared into worship and they kind of show up half-heartedly and, okay, let's clap for song. Okay, sir, get up and preach. And they nod their head a little bit. And, okay, well, that's fine. But on the local level, if, if you can get a response, somebody say amen. Uh, I'll close with this. One of the examples that I use is old, my old granny, Godwin, my, my dad's mama, down mm. in Fort Walt Beach, Florida. She she cooked. She was an old, old, old country cooker. And uh, she uh, cook breakfast and she'd make pancakes. She had a big old bowl and she'd whip that, that bowl up in her, with, in her arm at right hand, have that spatula going, boy, and I mean, he'd whip it up and <laughs> she'd get it out there. But, in, and then it, they'd stop and drink some coffee and then they'd go to cooking lunch. And boy, she'd have that bowl back out and she'd be whipping something else up. And uh, the Lord helped me to see one time they was cooking cake and I was watching them and all the stuff they're throwing in there. And it, I said, I, I said to my granny, so why don't you put that in the oven like that? She said, son, I hadn't beaten yet. It won't be anything. I said, what do you mean? She said, it won't be nothing but burnt flour, melted butter, melted sugar, and that's all it'll be. Yeah. And I said, what? She said, you got to mix it up. Watch. And she started mixing that up, put it in the oven and come out of cake. Yeah. And what she said, well, if you don't mix it up, you're not going to get nothing that you wanted. Yeah. You're just going to get a bunch of it. So the key is, is when a church begins to mix their faith, Right. With what you're preaching and teaching, the more they mix their faith, the more you're going to get what you're preaching. Right. So That's preaching that preaches out and it deserves an amen. Amen. That's the mixing of faith. Right. 
And when that happens, that's when the, and the more people you got mixing faith, saying amen, responding, worshiping, bringing people, uh, teaching, working in the departments in the church, the more you got people involved in it, you got a mixing going on. Right. And the Holy Ghost heat gets applied, and that's when that's when revival starts happening. And it can happen right away. I mean, it can happen in the first few months that you're at the church. I mean, it can break loose right away. And, and what happens is a revival will build on top of the next revival and the next revival. And uh, Brother Keys was great about that. He didn't just do one in revival a year or one in the spring and one in the fall. He'd do a revival, and it'd be a couple of weeks, he'd hit another one, hit another weekend. He'd hit three or four weeks, he'd hit it again. Another three weeks, he'd hit it again. Yeah. Another month, bam, he'd hit it again. And he just kept plowing at it. And finally, the church began to transform into what it is now. Right. And Brother, Brother Johnson's doing it again. It's going to another level. So it's just mixing faith. Right. Becomes the key. That's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, we appreciate all of uh, all the stories and, and, and the words. This has been great and very helpful and insightful. And I'm sure every person that will listen will, will be blessed by this. Uh, thank you so much for being with yes, us sir. today. We really appreciate it. Yes, sir. We love y'all. We're praying for New Life Church Revival. Thank you so much. today's discussion. You can also connect more with New Life Church on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to stay up to date on all of our latest episodes.